So it's just a recap, really, of what we've been talking about. You may have missed some of the services, you may not have, uh, but it's good to be uh, reminded, really, some of the headings. And we're going to put the headings, or Dave is, there it is, they're up there. Uh, I did it in the largest font I could, but you can make a note of the Bible verses. And they were the main Bible verses that we used for each one. But uh, who had dinner uh, last night or in the past week? Can I ask? Wow, not many. Come on, be honest. Right, you've all had dinner. What about when you go out to dinner? You know what happens when you go out to dinner? Everyone, anyone ever been out to dinner? Let's see if I can get more of a response from those of you that only have two meals a day. Anyone ever in their whole life ever been out to a restaurant for dinner? There it is. See, how blessed are we? Out to restaurants for dinner. I love, go- I love going out to restaurants for dinner. Do you love going out to restaurants for dinner? I like it. What do you do before you order? You read the menu. That's right, you read the menu. And if you're my wife, you read the dessert part first because that dictates what you're going to order for the starter and main course, you see. I'm not really a dessert man. Sometimes they say, should we just have a main course and leave room for dessert? And I say, no, we're going to have a starter because I prefer starters. And then they get all three and it's cost me more money. And I realise I've been ripped off. I could have got away with two uh, courses. But when you look at the menu, do you ever see, do you ever notice what goes on, the social dynamic? You've noticed it. Um, I might have the steak. I'm like, what are you going to have? I might have the fish. Oh, actually, I might have the fish. <laughs> well, you said you're having the steak. Yeah, but you're having the fish. And I, thought, I was thinking about the fish, so I, th- I might have the fish now. Okay, well, uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll have the burger. Oh, the burger. The burger. It's two for one day at the Duke of York. Let's have two burgers. Let's have two burgers for half the price. And then what happens is you all have your meal, don't you? And you have the meal. And at the end, so how was yours? Oh, would you like to try a bit? No. And people ask me, oh, is that nice? So, yeah. So, I was going to have that. We should have ordered it. Don't look at mine. You know, haven't you? <laughs> Acts 2.42 stuff. They shared everything in common when it comes to my meal. You should have ordered it. No sharing. No sharing. Um, anyway, at the end, how was your meal? Oh, mine was nice. Yeah. Gee, I wish I'd had the burger now. We had this big discussion beforehand. You was going to have fish, then it was steak, and then I changed my mind to burger, and you didn't know what to do. And all this goes on, doesn't it? All goes on. And then the next day, you ring each other up. Don't you? And you talk about it all again. You know, this thing, wasn't that meal nice? Oh, your burger looked good. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice, yeah. And your fish looked good. I was going to have the fish. I was going to have the fish. You talk about the whole thing. And you go over it again and again. So that's kind of a little jovial way to say, we're going to go over this again. We're going to have a little recap of what's gone on before. And so it's not a, a sort of an exploratory, uh, expository preach, uh, but it is looking at the headlines and just reminding us, as we go into summer, August we wind down a little bit, there's lots of people away, there's nothing going on, um, in as mu- or as much anyway, uh, during the week. So it all quietens down, everyone takes a bit of a breather, which is good. But let's start running in September. September's got nothing to do at all with the Christian calendar, but it seems to me September... Uh, seems to be the start of the year again. We start thinking about harvest and Christmas and it all goes away around until next August when we all go, Holy Bible Club's over, great, go on, send them out and uh, we can have a little rest. So we're going to really just uh, have a recap. recap. And really what I've done is to be effective as a church. What we were looking at, wasn't we, was it's all right doing all the things we do, but we need to be effective. We need to be winning people for Christ. There needs to be a purpose in what we do, not just doing it for the sake of doing it. So, uh, really quickly, instead of apathy, we want to be energised by faith. Romans 12, verse uh, 11, never be lacking in zeal, keep your spiritual fervour, serve in the Lord. That kind of energy that comes from faith rather than duty. 
I mean, we are servants, we recognise that, but it's a privilege uh, to serve. And the second one, um, we don't want to have a lack of concern uh, for the world. The mission of Jesus, Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We want to be actively seeking God's direction in our lives. God tells us that he has plans for us and we need to listen to his voice to see what those plans are. And when we know that, we want to intentionally move forward with God. Uh, and a passage that was given to us very early on is Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And then it talks about uh, we want to be a community of God's people, serving in ministry, uh, being his people. We looked at Ephesians 4, where you had all the ministries in the church, but they were there to prepare God's people for works of service. And again, an opportunity to serve. We want to effectively lead by example. You have an influence in the world. You are salt and light. Uh, sometimes salt is bitter, sometimes it's tasty. It depends what context it's in. We're called to be light in the world. Jesus pointed to himself, said, I am the light of the world. But Matthew 5 says, well, you're the light of the world. And that's quite a privilege. We get the same description. We go out into the world being salt and light. And we can set a great example, but sometimes we can set a bad one as well. So we looked at the text uh, from 1 Corinthians 10, uh, just at the end and into 1 Corinthians 11. Everything for the glory of God and follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, Paul wrote. And then uh, finally, which we had last week, so you're going to get... Mind you, I did it quick last week because we had these four baptisms. Uh, James said goodbye, didn't he? James Henderson, we waved goodbye to him. He's not here anymore, he's gone. Um, he said, I need, I need two minutes, he said. Ten minutes, he had. So I got on at 20 past and I had to rush my sermon, but it's fine, so it was important to say goodbye to him, but I can quickly recap that uh, today as well. But facing adversity with faith, when we looked at Nehemiah and how he's moved with passion to rebuild uh, the walls of uh, Jerusalem and uh, 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 left his job being cupbearer to the king, which is a bit risky, um, because it was an important job and the king wouldn't have let, wanted to let him go. And everyone was against him, but he had this tenacity about him and he really wanted to uh, get the job done. And he did through organising. The, the, the walls were rebuilt. So, it's 10 to 11 and we're going to whiz through these uh, one by one. But really briefly, these are bullet points to try and remind you of what we've been speaking about. So the first one, effectively energised by faith. We took the text from Romans uh, 12, uh, 12 uh, 11, never be lacking zeal, keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Uh, elsewhere, earlier, Paul said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test uh, God's will. And he says, doesn't he, elsewhere, uh, just before here, the context that we're one body, yet we're many members, and it's when we come together that we're really, really effective. And the main characteristic that comes just before he says, never be lacking in zeal, is all about love. And he's saying, look, let's not be lacking in zeal in not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world. Let's not be lacking in zeal when we talk about we're one body but many parts and we're all valuable. Let's not be lacking in zeal when our main characteristic should be love. When I was at Spurgeon's College, uh, a man came in, more than one man, but this man came in and he lectured to us and he said that many churches are described as many things. Some are called controlling churches or a worshipful church or a good preaching church. He said the best description you can have is to be called a loving church. A loving church. God is love, the Bible says. So is his body. Uh, we should reflect that. We don't always, but we should. And we wrote about the fact that it was written 
um, uh, in Corinth for the Christians in Rome, but it applies to us now. And we said, this is our time, this is our legacy to never be lacking in zeal. The motivation then and the motivation for us now is they were driven and energised by their faith in Jesus Christ. They were driven and energised by his work on the cross and what he's done for you. They were driven and energised by his teaching and his life. He lived it as an example and they were driven and energised because his presence was with them at all times. And that's for us now. We don't want to miss the time that we're in. This is your time in this great journey of God. Paul had been shipwrecked, beaten, driven out, persecuted, and he writes these words, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. And it is easy, I know, uh, to get discouraged. The enemy loves that. Uh, To get low, to get burnt out, doing things out of duty rather than uh, a passion. I know that happens when people start to complain about what they're doing, rather than seeing things as an opportunity to serve Christ, the head of his church. And then if we do that, we miss the privilege and the excitement of what it is uh, to be a friend and a servant of Christ. We don't want that. We don't want that. We we never want to be lacking in zeal. We want to keep our spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Jesus Christ said in John 10.10, I've come that you may have life and live it it in all its full... Can't get the words out. And live it in all its fullness. Uh, We're called to serve Jesus in this life with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. And the more in God we are, the more enthusiastic uh, we'll be. If we try and do it in our own strength, Jesus says he is the true vine. We have to stay connected to him. If we try and do it in our own strength, we get worn out. In Colossians 3.23, Paul said, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And I see so many people do so many things in this church and the church everywhere. There's so many volunteers and their motive is for Christ. I mean, don't get me wrong, it pleases me when they do things, but it's not really for me. Although I'm very grateful, it's for Christ. They're serving Christ and he's pleased. And so when we ask ourselves, and I'm talking to myself, I need to look at my level of commitment and where does it come from? Does it come from my own energy and my own desires or is it from Christ? Do people look at me and say, well, he's... He's passionate about Christ. He's passionate about the church. Well, I say, oh, is he just doing his job? You know, these are the questions I have to ask myself. The biggest enemy we face in the church today is apathy and complacency. Let things tick on as they are. It's nice and safe. But let's not be that here. Let's have our zeal and our enthusiasm as we move forward. So that's the first point. We've only got about another seven to get through, but I'm keeping an eye on the clock and they're all fairly brief. So don't be lacking in zeal. If you feel like you're getting burnt out, come and see us. We don't want you burnt out. I don't believe God wants you burnt out and it may be time to step down. You know, we, but we want, we want to be, be serving with passion and zeal. And I know many of you have busy lives and are doing many things and I don't believe God's calling you to get burnt out. Secondly, the effective in the mission of Jesus. Luke 19, verse 10, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Seek um, uh, gives a, is, is something you do, isn't it? It's not just seeking, have a look around. You're going actively after the lost and that's something we need to get better at uh, because we know that God so loved the world, not just the people here, he loves you, of course he does. He loves the 39,600 that are out there as well. And so we need to find ways of engaging. Uh, it's great to come in here and be refilled, but we are to be sent out. Jesus said in John's Gospel, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. What a great privilege. We're, we're his missionaries. You know, and it's great for Kevin and to highlight those mission partners we've got. And it's important to pray for them. But you're all missionaries. 
when you walk out of this building. He said that at the end of Matthew's Gospel, all authority in, in heaven has been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. What a great promise. He's with you to the very end of the age. That's amazing, isn't it? I can, I'm picking up on your zeal and enthusiasm uh, about this. This is really important. When you go out this door, he is with you to the very end of the age. You are not left alone. And if you pray for opportunities, I guarantee you'll get them. Uh, Gary and I were walking up the high street the other day. We, uh, uh, we had a meeting. It was a very important one. It was with our wives. Um, we didn't want to be late, and we left an hour early. I said, come, let's walk through the park, and we'll pray as we go. You know, he was a bit worn out. He'd had Holiday Bible Club, and you know, he was in danger of, not, you know, of losing his spiritual fervour and zeal. He wasn't at all. He was on fire for it. He's brilliant. But I said, come, let's have a walk through the park, walk up the high street. Remember the little conversations we had? I mean, I have to say, I'm going to be honest, none of them were about Jesus, um, but... Uh, some ladies were walking along, these two older ladies. I can't remember how they started talking. I think we were talking about where we're meeting the girls. They said, oh, don't have too much to eat. We've never met them before in our lives. They looked at us and said, thought it was right to say, don't have too much to eat. <laughs> Very annoyed. And this is true. This is true. Right? We went up to that slip disks and we had a little holy moment with a cup of tea and uh, a little bit of a prayer and everything else. And we came back, and I promise you this is truth, we came back by, is it, I don't think it's called Delhi 37 anymore, but that little cafe. And the same two ladies sitting outside, double pie and mash with liquor. <laughs> and we said, how can you say to us that this is going? And we had a little conversation, and just by walking along, and I really, I'd love to have more time where we just go around and just talk to people. And eventually they're going to ask, where you're from, what do you do? And then we have, a, then we have a, our response. But there's loads that we need to be doing. Uh, there's loads we can do together. We've got a new alpha. I've not even published this yet, but um, it's going to start September the 28th. So I only just agreed to date with the other lot uh, last Thursday. One of them already bringing three guests. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour. The, the new Christians are great at that, but we don't want to lose it. So one of them's going to bring three guests. And I'm going to ask you to invite people as well. We don't even know where we're having it yet. I've run out of restaurants that I used to use. They don't have their private rooms anymore. But, you know, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour as we go out and being effective in the mission of Jesus. So we've got an Alpha Supper. We want more and more people to know Christ. It was great to have four baptisms, but we'd love more because it's a sign of entering not just the church, but the kingdom of God. And so we don't want to be lacking in our energy. So Alpha, you can invite people to Alpha. I haven't even got the forms yet. I haven't even got the forms. That's how new that is. That's hot off the press. It's not even in the notice sheet. You know, the note... Pardon? What's that? Another heckler. I had an elder earlier. What's the church administrator need to say now? I haven't done anything. What do you mean I haven't done anything? Not sure I know how to respond to that. Still don't know how to respond to it. I'm trying to think of a smart answer, and for once I haven't got one. I'll... F- I'll... <laughs> There's plenty of time, yeah. Yeah, I'll think of something. Um, anyway, so 28th, so you can invite people to Alpha. You know, if you're not sure how to speak to people about it, you say, look, come and see. That was the biggest evangelistic thing in the, in, the, in the New Testament. We think we found the Messiah. Really, come and see. One speaks to his brother. Come and see. The Samaritan woman at the well. I think I've found the Messiah. Come and see. So you can invite people to Alpha personally. This is the bit that I'm ta- I was meant to say that when he was walking up the high street. Personally, just walking around, talking to people. Might, but might, might not be 
uh, easy for you. But sometimes I'm at a dinner party and people know what I do, so it's a little bit easier for me. And they'll say things like, well, you know, why, why do you do what you do? And I, I, have an, I have an answer ready. My answer, I just simply say, you know, my, I don't know what I would do without my faith. It's really important to me. I haven't even said the name Jesus yet. And, and I leave it. I leave the rest to God. And they're either going to go, oh, that's nice. You know, what should we have, the fish? Oh, I might have the fish. I have the burger, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, but, but increasingly they'll come back later and say, well, why is it important to you? And then I'll talk about the church. And I'll say my week's completely different if I've been to church or not. My week, my week is different if I neglect my walk with Jesus or whatever it is. And you get a chance. But I, from very early on, I used to struggle to get to name Jesus out. I mean, it's the name above all names. There's power in it. There's one who doesn't want us to talk about him. But it's actually very easy to say, very easy to say, do you know, my faith is really important to me. And it's a good start. It's just my tip. That's what I do. But you'll have your own. But be ready. Uh, Paul, uh, it says in the Bible, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. So be ready. Be ready. Be prepared. If they say, why, why is it so important to you? You go, well, uh, the thing is, uh, now, uh, what happened was, oh, they asked me to play football 23 years ago. And I, you know, I was thought to carry on going now. It doesn't mean anything. You've got to be ready with your answer. You've all got a testimony. You've all got a story. And um, elsewhere, uh, there's been people, when we've been preaching this, that have responded, which we're looking at as elders, where they're keen for us to go out on the streets, keen for us to have people praying in here. Praying for the people that are sent out on the street, talking to people, then coming back and then sharing the story. So we're really excited about that. We're just weighing that up at the moment. But isn't that great? I've got all these ideas in my head that we'll walk around with jackets at Billy Ricky Baptist Church. Pastor. Pastor. There's a lot of heckling today. Yeah, but so they know who we are. You know, we don't wear dog collars, do we? And we're not going to. But, you know, there's all these different things we're thinking of. But people have responded to the sermons. We need to be reaching people. So we're to seek and save the lost, and that's an active thing to do. Uh, third one, effective in seeking God's direction in our lives. And we looked at Jeremiah 29, verse 11, which we all know, and uh, is one of the most uh, misquoted verses in the Bible, um, uh, as we know. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. As, you know, we can't just apply that to ourselves. It's actually given to the people of God when they'd been uh, out in exile. They'd been put out in exile and God was saying, well, I'm going to bring you back. Uh, in Jeremiah, the, he, uh, he wrote this letter to the elders and the other people that had been exiled uh, where Nebuchadnezzar had sent them off. And, um, and it said, if you pray, 70 years will go past and I'll bring you back. So it was a corporate promise. And we need as a corporate body of people to understand what it means for I know the plans I have for you. And we need to discern what that is. God has plans, and we're praying about that. I love it when we come together at church and church meetings and really try and discern together the way forward. We've taken some really significant decisions recently. And it's been brilliant to have everyone uh, as much as possible to be part of that. The elders are praying into the life of the church. They're not just running around, uh, doing their elder things, mocking me from the congregation in services. They do other things as well. Uh, but they pray a lot, and they're out praying now. Um, not this very minute, but at this time, about various pictures and words we've been given. And keep bringing us those, because we're trying to weigh some things up as well. But God is moving us forward. There's no doubt about that. And we're very grateful to him, and we need to hear his voice. Then we looked at, effectively, once we hear God's voice, moving forward with God. We're five past eleven. I'm keeping an eye on the time. I'm just letting you know I'm about halfway there probably just over, effectively moving forward with God. And there was, a, there was a, a verse given to us right at the beginning when I came here, probably before, 
uh, but it came four times in different ways to us and we held on to it. And it was from Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? There are things happening and we need to thank God for them because all the glory goes to him. God of glory, we exalt your name, not ourselves. And we want to give him all the glory as he does these things among us. So we need to focus on the future. It's great to think, oh, we had some good days. And, you know, even last week was fantastic. But what's next? How are we pushing forward? What has God got for us next? And the first step to embrace the new things that God wants to do in your life is to change our focus and not so much look behind, although we thank God for that. If you keep looking behind, you're going to fall over because you're not looking ahead. Do not dwell on the past. And Paul writes about this, the great uh, secret of success in life and ministry in Philippians 3, 12 to 15. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and if on some point you think differently, then that God would make that clear to you. So we need to focus individually and as a church on what God calls us to do next. Are we too comfortable? Is it time to get uncomfortable? Um, Is it time to maybe step out that bit more in faith? Uh, as a church, as well as individuals. Genuine repentance over things that we know have been wrong. Turning to God in all of his positiveness and righteousness. Anticipate the glorious new things that God will do for you and for us and for this town. Know our position and our calling under God. God has promised to do a new thing. And we want God to work just like he did in the days of old. But are we prepared to move forward with the same boldness and courage that those early disciples did? Are we ready for a new beginning? Are we ready for what God would want to do next in our life as a church and in yours individually? Are you seeing possibilities or problems? You know, I see possibilities. I dream dreams. I don't know, half of them are probably of me and half of them of God. But we weigh them up. We try and discern what is it. And people are coming in with all these pictures and we've had, you know, Kevin typed them all up for us so we had it all on one bit of paper. And we're, 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 I wouldn't say we're struggling, but we're really trying to keep that together. So what is God saying? What is God saying? Spirit of God hovering over the waters of one of those pictures. The Spirit of God hovering over the church. We need to be uh, really full of his spirit as we go out uh, being the salt and light in the world. Then we looked, where are we? We're nearly there, the, the third from last. Ministry, effective community and ministry of God's people. We looked at Ephesians 4. Um, some called to be apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, to prepare God's people for works of service. Uh, He urged, Paul didn't he, in verse 1, that the Ephesians were to live a life worthy of the calling they'd received. We've all been called. If you're a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, you have been called by name. And Jesus says, now, well, live live a life worthy of that. You have new life. We're a new people. We're a people belonging to God. We have freedom. Forgiveness, purpose, all of it found in Christ. Now live it out, Paul says, because otherwise it's just words. We've got to live it out. We have a choice. We can live our lives uh, appropriate to the calling, verse 1, we've received, or not. And that calling is to live for Christ. Paul elsewhere in Philippians said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
It's dying like they did last week to their old self as they were under the water. The old has gone, the new has come. And now, what a privilege, I'm here to serve Christ. That's what I'm called for. And he pleads within that calling. And we know how much the enemy loves disunity and Christians arguing amongst themselves. That's the stuff that gets on the, in the papers and everything else. And he pleads for unity in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. I've, I've loved our church meetings. I know that's a, almost an oxymoron, isn't it? You know, I mean, church meetings, I suppose people, you know, people, some people say they'll take it or leave it, but I've loved them. Uh, since I've been back, uh, we haven't, I wouldn't say we haven't had a crossword, I don't mean it like that. There's been differences of opinion. But I love that spirit of unity that's been around. I love that spirit of discernment. I love the fact that we had forums and we had discussions about things. And I love it that we came together as a church and I can't remember how many resolutions we had. How many was it? Where's Paul? Paul. How many was it? Pardon? Seven. Seven. Now, we might have had to go through seven resolutions. That would have been fun. But instead, because we had this spirit of unity, it was, should we vote them all in one go? And they were really significant. And a huge amount of work had gone in. And I loved the fact that we'd worshipped and prayed, uh, read from God's word, and then we came to this decision. And there was just a sense of rightness about it. It seemed pleasing to the Holy Spirit and to us. So we, it's significant for the life of the church. Isn't that great when we can come together and do that? And I love the idea uh, where Paul pleads for unity, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But let me tell you, the enemy loves it when you're bickering with another Christian. For, to, in my experience, often really things that shouldn't be bickered about. It comes down, once again, to character and attitude. Uh, and I have to talk to myself here. I've, I said in a lot of the sermons, I go into a room or a corner and give myself a little talking to, and then I come out again and try and be the person I'm supposed to be. But sometimes we've got to be humble. We might actually be wrong if you haven't considered that. I struggle with that, you know, but... I am wrong sometimes, I know that, my wife tells me often. Uh, we have to be gentle as we reason with one another. We have to be patient. You know, have to let them speak. You ever noticed in an argument, it goes up and up and up because everyone's trying to outdo one another to get their point across. The Bible says we need to bear with one another. So often the opposite, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm fed up with them. I mean, great, one, one up for the enemy. You know, because we are one body, many parts, and when we work together... That's when we really do so much good. And, and actually, uh, sometimes we just ignore the Bible completely and rather go and speak to them, which he tells us to do, uh, we speak to everybody else around the tracks and that just causes uh, heartache. And then and end up in my office and uh, I pray for them uh, for healing. So Paul says, have you made every effort? Have you made every effort? We don't want a disjointed family. We know that we have differences of opinions. Every family has that. But we're called to love one another. And then we moved on to say, what about effective ministry? We're all different, which is good, which is why sometimes we have different opinions. And God will use us differently in many ways. And I was saying that you might be someone who's passionate about evangelism and you're fed up with a person who's uh, passionate about pastoral care. Because all they're doing is going around praying for people. And they say, well, all they're doing is winning new converts. Then we have to look after them. Uh, the fact is we need everybody. And, it, and although that person gets frustrated with that person, the worst thing they can do is say, I'm leaving because we're not passionate about evangelism. Or they say, well, I'm leaving because they're not passionate about pastoral care. The fact is when we all come together, it all works. And you may think, I know everything that goes on in this church. And I'd love to tell you, you're right, uh, but you're not. I mean, uh, it's wonderful to me as a minister. They'll say, do you hear about so-and-so? I'm going to make up a name. 
Um, I'm not sure if we've got a Jane, but we're going to say Jane, right? Now, Jane is not sick and she's not in hospital, but, but, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But say, did you hear about Jane? She's in hospital. Oh, maybe one of the pastoral care team needs to visit. Well, no, three church members went in yesterday. Well, maybe we should make, organise some food for the family. No, it's okay. So-and-so went down to the cookshop and bought some. And before you know, it's all happened. And that, for me, is a lovely illustration of what church is about. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're more than happy to step in and help. But half the time, I hear about things after the fact. And it's all been taken care of. And that's wonderful. And that's everybody coming together. So effective ministry is recognising that we're all different, but we all have our part to play. And if one person steps down, it actually affects everybody. Uh, In those contexts, it was about verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But really, uh, the passion was for Paul in verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. God's people, that's you. And when we look at the various things we're doing in the church, one of our streams will be ministry or service. And, and, and the idea that everybody is doing something. And actually, when I look through the membership list, pretty much everybody is. It's great. So we have to have unity. We have to have unity, sort out our problems, make, you know, expect them sometimes. There's going to be issues. Have we made every effort to keep that spirit of unity? Uh, using our gifts and to reflect uh, him, Jesus, to the world as a gospel people. Because as we know, the world at its worst needs the church at its best. So we're second to last on quarter past 11. I'm whizzing through. Do you see what I'm doing? I haven't had many illustrations. I've got lots of stories I could tell. I'm cutting them out because I'm realising I'm speaking for longer. But we're going to be okay. Effect, this is a big one though, I have to tell you. Because this is so important. Effective in leading by example. We're called to be salt and light. We go out into the world and we can make such a difference for good and for God. But also we can help the enemy as well. Sometimes by the way we speak to people. It could be a waiter or a waitress or someone who serves or someone who's considered below us. And I've seen Christians do that. And we can maybe not leave such a, a fragrant uh, offering with them and uh, we say things that are just not in our nature normally. Um, as a, I was talking about, I think I preached this one at South Green, so you haven't heard this yet. So I'll go half an hour on this one. Is that all right? And then we've only got one after. We're all right. Um, no, I'm a father and I like to set a good example to my children. And that's what should happen. And, and there'll be times when I haven't set such a good example, but it's lovely when someone says, oh, you know, we had some, Harry, so-and-so, I do know their names, uh, and Harry round or Kaylee round, they were, they were a credit to you. And of course, anyone who's got kids, we all know the next answer, well, not like that at home, you know, and all the rest of it, um, trying to be humble. But, but we try and, uh, and lead by example. When I started broken, I watched the senior dealers. I wanted to be like them. And I learned some really good things, strong work ethic. If you say you're going to be somewhere in time, be there on time. If you say you're going to do it, I know you're going to laugh, but Dicton, me and Pacton was really, really held in high regard. Uh, my word is my bond. And if you said you're going to do it, you do it. And I struggle now, even in church life, when people say they're going to do things and they don't do it, I think, oh, as they live like that, I'll be so stressed. Or if they're a minute late, I start shaking. Uh, if I'm a minute late, I really start shaking. I hate being late because it was drilled into me. But that might not be as good a trait. But I learnt it by example. And that was what I was brought up uh, to be like. So in the same way, uh, Christians, we can go out in the world and lead by example. This letter... Uh, written around AD 55. It was towards the end of Paul's um, three-year ministry at Ephesus. It was written to the whole church at uh, Corinth, 1 Corinthians uh, 10. Um, And he was basically saying, look, I know your church, because they had a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. I know you've got problems. I want to give you some solutions. I'm telling you to live for Christ. Then you need to lead by example. And as Christians, we're sent out into the world to lead by example. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. 
What a privilege again that is, isn't it? I mean, when I leave this building, well, in this building, I am an ambassador for Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. What a privilege, isn't it? Never be lacking in zeal. <laughs> We're going to go back to point one. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord, Lord always. Uh, so it's a privilege, isn't it, to be an ambassador for Christ. Yes. yes. If he and more were here, he'd be going, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. Good. Um, so it means that we're reliable. It means that we're going to turn up when we, when we say we're. It means that, uh, without being too legalistic, I know there's sometimes things that happen, but it means if we say we're going to do something, we do it. Uh, we should be the most reliable people on the earth. We should be, uh, you know, I'm a Christian who happens to be a lawyer. I'm a Christian who happens to be a nurse or a policeman or a teacher. Um, I'm a Christian who is a father, a mother, a son, uh, a daughter. And as such, I will lead by example because I'm Christ's ambassador wherever he's put me. And it went on to say, do not cause anyone to stumble. How do we do that? It's when we go into the world and we behave just like the world and we ignore the passage that says, don't conform any longer. To the... look, at where, look how the world's getting on without God at the moment. It's not going too well. And, you know, we're not to conform like that. But if we start fitting in, I'll use the example as a chameleon that can turn green, brown, pink, yellow, whatever its circumstances are. Uh, we don't want to be like that. We're called to be distinct. Um, and uh, in verse 33, Paul said, Seek the good of many, so they may be saved. And we go back to that passion uh, for the lost. Um, and finally, in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Uh, Paul can say this because he led by example uh, of course we point to Christ but we should be leading by example because you're an, a Christian and an ambassador for Christ an ambassador for Christ Jesus, it was said about him in Mark uh, chapter 12 teacher we know that you are a man of integrity you aren't swayed by men but you teach the way of God and to do that we need the Holy Spirit in us so he promises to come as we ask him burning fiercely within us like the prophets in the past who said he will put his spirit in you, put his law on your minds and write it on your heart. So I challenge people to think about the week and the circumstances they've been in and how they've responded and moving forward so uh, we can set an example. And my final point, you shouldn't be lacking in zeal at that point, Um, but my final point we looked at Nehemiah very briefly last week, but just to really recap, because you heard it last week. But here's Nehemiah, and he's the cupbearer to the king. It's a very important task because he tastes the food and drinks the wine before the king does. And of course, if it's something bad with it, he gets ill rather than the king. It's a very trusted position, but the king sees that he's, uh, he's upset, and he's upset because he's heard that the, the walls of Jerusalem have not been uh, rebuilt. He's got... Um, uh, uh, um, He's got uh, uh, people against him from every angle. He's got uh, people of different religions, uh, different people groups, different towns, uh, people called Sambalat, Tobiah, even his own people said, you cannot do this. He has lack of confidence from his own people. His enemies are against him. They're threatening to kill him. Um, He's getting it from all sides. And and I was trying to say that sometimes it feels a bit like that. When we're moving forward with God, we, we, we do have an enemy that... That, that prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. And he can't, he can't, because as long as we stay close to God, uh, he has the victory. But we do need, to be, we do need uh, to be aware of him, and we can get discouraged. 
and uh, the sermon title was Effective in Facing Adversity with Faith. I think I put on there tenacity because I couldn't fit it in. I was right at the bottom of the uh, PowerPoint screen. But it's that tenacity. Keep, go- keep moving forward. Keep coming on. What did Nehemiah do when he had all this stuff against him? Uh, first thing, uh, as you read through all the book of Nehemiah, it's a great leadership book. Uh, it runs all the way through. He prayed. And he kept his relationship with God in short accounts. He said in verse 8 and 9, we prayed to our God. He was a man of prayer. He was calm when everybody around him was falling to pieces. And we say in the office, you know, things happen. And don't get me wrong, we do get worked up a bit. But we say, look, we need to be the non-anxious presence. When it's all sort of kicking off a little bit, we've got to stay calm. And we've got to do the right thing. We've got to pray to God, what is God saying? And then move forward with confidence. And he, he said in verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And they went on and got the job done and they acted. Um, and uh, I think uh, I mentioned that saying, which I try and live t- towards. Um, I'm an activist, or I like to think so, but pray as if it all depends on God, but then act as if it all depends on you. I think it was William Carey uh, that said that. So really to sum up, uh, finally, I hear you say, we've got, we're doing all right, we've got one song. I'm going to finish dead on half past 11. That's really good, isn't it? I've got, how many sermons have I got in there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven sermons. Honestly, that's, that's, that's not bad going. You know, I want you to take this into the summer. Uh, I could write a little book on all this, couldn't I? I could publish it. You could all pay for it. And then my, uh, my ticket to the British Museum will be sorted out. So to be effective, we need to be energised by faith, never lacking in zeal, embracing the mission of of Jesus. Jesus himself said, look, I didn't come to condemn the world. The Son of Man came to save, uh, sorry, seek and save the lost. We need to be seeking God's direction because God knows the plans he has for you. We need to be moving forward with God, not dwelling on the past too much. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And then we look at ourselves, the community and ministry of God's people uh, to equip uh, the people of God, and leading by example because it's all for God's glory. And uh, as Paul said, people are going to follow your example as a Christian. You can set a good one or a bad one. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us set a good one. And then we can face any adversity that comes our way with faith, with faith in prayer, just like Nehemiah did when he said, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. William Booth, this is me finishing. William Booth said this, and it really touched me. I only read this a week ago. Uh, because we all, we all pray for revival, and we all, I pray for revival. I pray for the church to grow, the kingdom to grow. I pray for you. The elders pray for you. We all pray, you know, prayer, prayer, prayer. Of course we do. Of course we do. And we pray for uh, God to really move among us. And there's nothing wrong in that. But William Booth said this. He said, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. And I think, if I'm an ambassador for Christ... And I look at the things that he did. I can be a force for good, a force for God, and so can you. I'm not waiting for a move of God. This comes back to this prayer as if it all depends on, you, uh, on God, but active as it all depends on you. We've got our part to play. And if we can embrace these things, uh, we'll be a really effective church. History is full of stories of what God has done. But we can't just dwell on the past and live on the glory of the old days. The future can be the same. And we can see God move powerfully. All the glory uh, belongs to him. And we're going to sing that in about one minute. So I'm going to ask the band to come up so they're ready. And we'll sing to God be the glory, great things he has done. But before we do that, let me finish with some more of Paul's words. And let me make this a prayer uh, for you. And let these words uh, seep into you and just 
give you an idea of your identity as, a, as an ambassador for Christ. It's Paul's prayer uh, for the church uh, in Ephesus. It's from chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then listen to these words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. I'd want to ask you, what do you ask for or imagine? I mean, if you're imagining it, it's probably something you think God can't do. And the Bible says he'll do immeasurably more than that. So let's pray for one another, pray for our character, pray for growth, pray for ministry opportunities, pray for the conversations on the streets. Pray that we'll have a problem that we're too full across all three congregations. Pray that we'll reach this town of Billericay. And whatever you pray for, remember that God can do immeasurably more, both in your character and in this town, than you could possibly imagine. What a privilege that is, isn't it? And that's where we need our zeal and our spiritual fervour, serving the Lord 